Did the needles hurt? Right. I mean, I didn't come from a well-to-do family. You know, we dealt with food insecurities and the nutrients, bring the white blood cells, bring whatever it is that you need to repair this damage okay. to this area because there is an issue here. Okay. And the, needle, the needles do that. I was blessed to go to a, a good school system and I really learned early on that that's, you know, education is key. When you cut yourself, it's like, hey, your body goes into fight or flight. Like, hey, we need to repair sure. this one spot. So most other jobs, I worked in kitchens for years, which I, I love to cook still to this day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the, there's points on the fingers that are pretty sensitive. Points mm -hmm. on the toes, same deal, pretty sensitive. Points okay. in the ears, pretty sensitive. And after about five to 10 seconds or so, it subsides. Okay. Welcome back to the Let's Evolve for Tomorrow podcast. I'm your host, Tyrone, and we help aspiring new and existing entrepreneurs excel to the next level by inviting other aspiring new and existing entrepreneurs to the podcast to give knowledge and information on how to get to the next level. Today, we have a very special guest, someone that's completely different, different, different background. He's an acupuncturist. He's been in the business now for about 10 years, graduated around 2012. So for those of you who are not familiar with that space, um, he's going to give a lot of information. His name is Rick Aguirre. He's going to actually pronounce the last name the correct way. This is actually me trying. So at the beginning, I'm like, how do you pronounce your last name again? But without further ado, he's going to give you some background, give you some history, and we'll go from there. Rick? Thanks for joining the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. It's Absolutely, man. Yeah, and it's Aguirre. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if Absolutely. you don't mind, man, just give us some background on yourself and whatever else you want to you want to share with us on how you got started. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, like you said, I I graduated 2012 from American Acupuncture um, or from the American Institute of, Institute of Alternative Medicine. Okay, it's right here in Columbus. Uh, as far as I know, that's still the only accredited school for acupuncture in the state of Ohio, so I was very fortunate it was here in town. Uh, finished up the Chinese herbal program back in 2019, and I had to go to Philly once a month for two years for that. That was much less convenient. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and currently, I'm in the doctoral program through Pacific College of Health and Science. Fortunately, that's all online, so can attend in the convenience of my of my home. Okay. <laughs> so I don't okay. have to commute, right. so that's, that's very nice. But uh, yeah, I uh, work with... Uh, business partner and a friend of mine, longtime friend, which is phenomenal. It's great working, being able to work with friends. Uh, at uh, Our clinic is uh, called North Star Acupuncture, LLC, and it's in Uptown Westerville. Uh, we've been operational for, gosh, about eight years now. Okay. Uh, we've been working together, and uh, it's great. We've been seeing, actually, for the past few months now, we've been seeing, seeing record numbers of patients, uh, every other week, it seems like for the past two months, we've been setting sales records. So okay. things are going really well. A lot of, uh, helping a lot of people, you know, and that's what it's all about. Gotcha. So how many patients do you see a day um, on average? I average probably about 16, 16 to 20. Uh, just depends on the day. Wow. You know? yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, a lot of the, are a lot of these repeat customers or? Uh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of patients, uh, because anytime you, you get into a, a regiment, uh, when you're working on something, most times it requires anywhere from three to five sessions to really get some an idea of what kind of lasting results you can anticipate from a treatment like acupuncture. Um, if it's more chronic conditions, a lot of times we'll be working uh, into the five to seven visit range until we can get them to a maintenance phase when we start to see them, you know, on an ongoing basis, maybe a couple times a month, maybe once a month or just as needed for okay. acute flare ups for any given situation. Gotcha. So acute flare ups that so that could happen anywhere on your body. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. It's a lot easier to come up with a list of stuff that acupuncture isn't good for okay. <laughs> than a list of stuff that acupuncture is good for. Gotcha. Um, you know, that's a common question. People are always asking me, oh, what is a treat? I mean, there's not really a whole lot we can't work on. Okay. Um, you know, I think Chinese medicine, because of acupuncture, of course, is is a modality that's that falls under uh, the umbrella of Chinese, traditional Chinese medicine, and that's TCM is sometimes as it's referred to. Uh, so that's going to include acupuncture, uh, a modality called moxibustion, where we actually burn herbs close to the body um, for a thermal uh, therapeutic effect. Um, cupping, of course, some people are probably familiar with cupping, especially when it comes to sports medicine applications, uh, used a lot for pain management, um, but some people use it for detoxification. Um, you know, so, of course, herbs is big. That's basically like the other half of Chinese medicine. If, if 
Chinese medicine were a two-sided coin. One side would be acupuncture, the other side would be herbs. Okay. Um, and it's a huge part of it. Uh, the things that acupuncture takes a long time to address, herbs is very efficient at, and mm. vice versa. So. so so, I have to ask, right? Sure. There are a lot of people that don't know a lot about acupuncture. You know, some people may not believe in it, and I'm, sh- I'm assuming, I, I don't want to say I'm sure, oh, yeah. but I'm assuming since I'm curious about it that a lot of people are probably curious to say, okay, well, how do I know if it really works? I don't want a bunch of people sticking me with needles. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't make sense. Sure. You know, I don't believe in that practice. Just give me a pill and I'll be fine. Like, how do you actually, and just really diving right into it, like, how do you you know, educate them on the process to make them understand what you do, why you do, and how you do it? Well, that's always a part of the initial consultation. Um, if If they can have enough of an open mind to come into my office then that right there is a good indication that it might work for them. Mm -hmm. The only time I've seen acupuncture absolutely not work for someone is when they come into the office, I don't want to say under duress, but when somebody forces them to come in (laughs) and they've already decided that it's not going to work. And I mean, I feel like that's pretty much the case for any type of therapeutic. If you go into it already already having decided that it's not going to work, your mind makes that true Ooh, and it won't work. Okay. <laughs> so as long as you come into the office and you're open-minded about it, then we can have that conversation. And basically that it goes a little something like the discussion of what traditional Chinese medicine is, mm-hmm. like the, the foundations, the, 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 the core principles behind it, the dynamics at play. And, and, and basically what I explained to them is the theory is that there's channels that run all throughout the body mm-hmm. and the body transports energy or chi as it's referred to along these channels. And you can have blockages along these channels, and that will usually result in a fixed pain condition. Sometimes it's numbness, sometimes it's tingling. If it's severe enough, it can be loss of function, but most often it's pain or some kind of discomfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, these channels are also associated with internal organs or some other internal body mechanism, like the reproductive system. Mm-hmm. So you can have relatively excess or deficient conditions on these channels, and over time those imbalances are what give rise to various medical conditions. Okay. So there's hundreds of points on these channels. I'm sure if if you Google a acupuncture chart, you'll pull up a it'll pull up a picture of a body. It has all these points all over it. Mm-hmm. All these different points do different things. They have their own actions and indications. Uh, but essentially, we're using any combination of those points to try and get the body back to a state of balance. Mm-hmm. So if there's a blockage of some kind that's causing pain, uh, we're really the treatment principle is to focus on moving energy and blood or energy uh, energy and blood through that region to relieve any pain it's causing. If there were to be an excess or a deficient condition, we're really trying to sedate excess conditions, tonify deficient conditions, get the body back to a state of equilibrium so essentially it can heal itself. Because that's really what we're trying to do is facilitate the body's ability to heal itself. Okay. So I will say, right, everything that you said, or a lot of it, kind of went over my head, right? Like I have the gist of it. So I would say for me and for the listeners, if you had to explain that, to a 10 year old how would you take everything that you just said and really just break that down the reason i say that because if you have someone at any age right someone that's 20 30 40 and they're like man i hear about acupuncture but i need to understand it on a different level so to where i can digest it that takes away a lot of the medical terminology and and something that's a little more relatable well, everybody's body can heal itself. Okay. You know, you cut, you get a cut on your arm. If you wait long enough, it will heal itself. So your body has that capacity. Mm-hmm. It has the ability to heal itself. What we're do, what we're trying to do is facilitate that process, and if possible, you know, expedite that process. Okay. You know, speed that process up. And a lot of times, that's through you know, bring of uh, of nutrients and, and fluids and, and blood to that region um, to to kind of help that process along okay you know and that's really what it comes down to so bloods and nutrients influence to that to that point sure how do you do that and that's what the acupuncture needles do when you introduce any foreign body into the internal environment of anybody's body it's going to cause an immediate immune system response so it's going to flood the the body just as a physiological response to that that incident is going to flood that area with uh, white blood cells. It's going to flood that area with, uh, you know, fluids and nutrients that are going to fight any infection. They're going to address inflammation and they're going to initiate that healing process. And that's what the needles are doing at 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 a physiological level. That makes sense. Okay. So it's almost like when the body, body goes into a self-healing process, mm-hmm. like you said, to your point, when you cut yourself, it's like, hey, your body goes into 
fight or flight. Like, hey, we need to repair sure. this one spot. So I, what I get from what you're saying is the needles kind of say, hey, it's kind of like a, how do I say this? More of a, we want the body to think there's a cut here. So we want to blood, rush the blood and the nutrients to that one spot to heal it. Right. Yep. Is that is that the correct understanding? Yeah. We're just trying to indicate to the body that, hey, this area needs attention. Okay. Like bring the bring the bring the facilitating or bring the, you know, the the nutrients, bring the white blood cells, bring whatever it is that you need to repair this damage okay. to this area because uh, there is an issue here. Okay. And the needle, the needles do that. Okay. Do the needles hurt? <laughs> you know. I have to ask. The, it, it, it's a needle. So, right. <laughs> well, some, some people points, are afraid of new, right, needles, right? Yeah, some points are some points are are just by nature more sensitive than others. So okay. you have the, the there's points on the fingers that are pretty sensitive. Points mm -hmm. on the toes, same deal. Pretty sensitive. Points okay. in the ears, pretty sensitive. Okay. For the most part, um, you get an initial sensation on insertion, and then after about five to ten seconds or so, it subsides. Okay. Um, and there's a couple of schools of thought on that, honestly. Some of the older school Chinese practitioners, they really want you to feel it. It's, it's the sensation is called dot chi. So that's, uh, that's the arrival of chi. Okay. And that's what they're looking for. They'll use thicker needles. They, you know, go a little bit, a uh, little deeper with their insertions. They stimulate the points until you, until they elicit that sensation. Um, Japanese practitioners, or there's a Japanese style of practice where it's very superficial insertion. It's, it's, you know, just kind of hanging on the surface of the skin there. So, um, our style at North Star is a little, kind of a little more the middle of the road. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never found it necessary to elicit a really strong sensation to get the results that I'm looking for. Okay. So um, usually what I tell folks is I don't mind that initial zing, uh, but I don't want anything that burns, stings, aches, throbs, anything like that after about three to five seconds. Okay. So if it's uncomfortable after that time period, let me know so I can get that adjusted or I may just remove the point altogether. Okay. So when you say to the point of chi, so what's the translation of that? Chi, that's a good question. So... A rough translation, which is the best we can do, because okay. Chinese is uh, it's it deals with a lot of kind of metaphysical concepts in in a word. Right. But chi, as as best I could describe it, is our life force. Okay. So the energy that exists within within us when we're alive, and that you know separates from our body when we pass. Okay. So that that energy flows through all of these channels. And there's channel, each of the channels is associated with a different internal organ or, or like I said, a different uh, internal body mechanism. So there's um, liver, spleen, heart, kidney, you know, lungs, stomach, you know, those are all obviously internal organs. And there's associated channels and the different channels are associated with different dynamics within the body. Okay. So when you have someone that's coming in for therapy, right? So they have the acupuncture therapy sure. and then they have physical therapy. Would you say that one is better than the other or do you recommend that someone do both? So a big, right now I'm, I'm a semester into my doctoral program and a big focus in that program is striving towards a pluralistic model of medicine. And integrative medicine used to be like the catchphrase and, and even still to this day, a lot of hospitals, you know, say that's what they're going for is, you know, they have an integrative medicine unit. I think even OSU has an integrative medicine unit. Um, the problem with integrative medicine is they're trying to like kind of put it all together into one, you know, into, into one practice. And, and when you do that, you lose some of the, you know, some of the important components of, of a practice like Chinese medicine. Okay. So the, a notion that they've, they've, kind of settled on a little more in, in the doctoral program that I'm attending is a pluralistic model. Mm -hmm. So each of the different practices can maintain their, you know, almost sovereignty, if you will, mm -hmm. you know, so they can preserve their, you know, all of the things that make them unique and make them effective while also working in tandem with the other practices. So that's really my focus is, is striving for uh, a pluralistic practice where I, I can work with physical therapists, or I can work with medical doctors, mm -hmm. and we could work in unison to achieve the best outcome for patients. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. That makes sense. I was always kind of curious about that because, sure. you know, it's like, okay, is it one over the other? Or to your, to your point, if it's more of a pluralistic approach, then sure. it's like, okay, hey, you will work on phase one, we work on phase two, you work right. on phase three. Exactly. Okay. Right. That makes sense. So let's peel the layers back a little sure, bit. Sure, sure. Right. So <laughs> let's talk about 
life before becoming a chiropractor? I mean, obviously, I had an advantage. Acupuncture. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I missed it, too. People do it all the time. No worries. <laughs> Acupuncture. Right? Yeah. Peeling back the layers on that. Obviously, I knew the life sure. before then, but just, you know, you telling it from your perspective. Uh, well, I was originally um, a psych major, um, and so I always knew that I, I wanted to go into some manner of health care. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least be of service to others. I knew that I wanted to help people. Right. And I think a lot of that comes from just kind of a, you know, a tough life as a kid, you know? Right. I mean, I didn't come from a, a well-to-do family. You know, we dealt with food insecurities, and, and my, my parents separated shortly after they moved here from Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and both households really struggled for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was blessed to go to a, a good school system, and I really learned early on that that's – you know, education is key, mm-hmm. you know, to really, you know, empower yourself. Knowledge is essential. Mm-hmm. So not to say that I was the best student right. <laughs> for a long time. I, you know, I was very average when it came to my academics. Okay. Uh, but a lot of that was application, you know, not me, just me not applying myself or, you know, and sometimes I genuinely struggled wrapping my head around the material. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what really did it for me was my perseverance. Like once I decided I wanted to do something, that was that was really what kind of got me there. It wasn't necessarily that I was this overachiever that I did so well um, that I was like this, you know, exceptional student. It was just that I kept going and going and going and going until until I got it done. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I was originally a psychology major, and I knew that I wanted to help people. But back when I was in school, still, the psychology field was starting to. I don't know, it was starting to really be affected by the pharmacological industry. Okay. And there, there was a lot of uh, over-medicating, in my opinion, mm-hmm. of, especially of children. And that was what really concerned me. Um, and so I kind of became disenchanted with that. Uh, and I still love the field, but I knew that I didn't want to be doling out medicines. I knew that I didn't want to be a social worker because I had seen some people go down that road. Um, so I, I kind of got away from it. Um, I did... Numerous other jobs. I worked in kitchens for years, which I, I love to cook still to this day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I even considered going to culinary school, but the, the hours were just not for me. Right. You know, and a lot of the a lot of folks that I knew that were lifelong um, food service industry workers just seemed genuinely unhappy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, ah, that's not the field for me. Yeah, no. <laughs> so um, not to say that it's not a good it's not a good field. You know, if it's a good fit for you, great. But right. You know, I knew that I, it wasn't a good fit for me. Right. Um, so I got into a few different other things. I worked in call centers for a long time. That's where we met. Absolutely. You know, working at the call center for the uh, financial institution that will remain unnamed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I worked at call centers for a long time. Also, you know, I knew that wasn't for me because I think probably about five years into working for Chate, well, not even, like two years into working for that company. <laughs> Um, I had gained 30 pounds. My blood pressure was up. I was stressed out. And my doctor was like, what are you doing? I was like, nothing. Mm-hmm. I sit all day long, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was starting to have health issues. So um, I, I felt like I needed to make a change. Um, a little bit in between here and there, I, I worked in construction. I worked at different, different odd jobs. But uh, uh, it was when I was working at Chase that I, um, I actually started school and went through the whole process and Finished that up, and then I, you know, around the time that I was taking my board exams was when I when I left that place. <laughs> <laughs> so, quick question: Before sure, you sure. went down the path of becoming an acupuncturist, sure. let's go back to psychology, right? So, yeah. you left Texas, you moved here, family split. You're still yep. focused on psychology. You say you weren't the best student, but you still made it work. Yeah. Did you finish? Did you finish college at that time? Uh, I did not. Okay. I did not. I got. Oh, gosh, I want to say 90, 94 credit hours. No, wait, it was 86 credit hours. I got to that point where I had taken so many psychology electives I couldn't take anymore. Okay. <laughs> but, at, again, I was I was convinced I was going to be a, a clinical psychologist. So um, it was about that time that I, I shifted away from that and I started looking at other fields. Every time I would switch occupations, I would I would say, okay, well, I'm going to study this in, in school, mm. and I would – I wouldn't actually change my major, but I would shift directions and okay. until I until I found acupuncture. Gotcha. So you worked various jobs. You were cooking for oh, a yeah. while. 
So you entered financial services. So why that point? Like, what was that pivotal moment where you said, okay, it's really time for me to change. And when I change this time, I'm going to stay focused on that one thing. Well, I think that was the discovery of acupuncture, honestly. Um, My friend uh, that I was, you know, lifelong friend. uh, We've been friends for, gosh, 20 plus years now. He had been going to school out in L.A. for uh, Chinese medicine, mm-hmm. and uh, he would come home and he would practice on me and <clears throat> me and a mutual friend of ours. Okay. And I always thought it was, you know, it was cool. I didn't really know a whole lot about it myself at the time, so mm-hmm. I, you know, I didn't think too much of it. But um, eventually he came back to Columbus and set up his practice in Worthington, and uh, at the time I think I was actually contracting, and I hurt my knee. Okay. And it was pretty, it was a pretty significant injury. I couldn't put a whole lot of weight on it. And I didn't have insurance at the time, so um, I went to see him, and he was able to get 90, 95% functionality back for me with one treatment. And wow. that blew me away. I was like, that's incredible. Okay. <laughs> so you were sold at that Yeah, point. not quite, because okay. <laughs> I'm kind of a skeptical person by nature. So I was, like, okay. I was like, that's awesome. I don't know what just happened. I'm glad my knee feels better, but... That, that was weird. Okay. Um, so I hurt, not long after that, I hurt my rotator cuff. Mm. And th- also pretty, pretty significant. I couldn't lay on it. I couldn't carry anything. And I went in to see him again. And again, it was, now this time it took about three treatments. And there were several different modalities. We used the cupping. We used the acupuncture. Um, but again, it was like 95% recovery without medications, without surgery, and at that point, I, he really had my attention. I was like, there's really something legitimate going on here. Okay. <laughs> and uh, he was also able to help me with some of the um, depression issues that I struggled with as an adolescent and into my early 20s. And uh, that's, I think, what really kind of clinched it for me. Because being somebody that is that was interested in psychology, I saw that this has psychological applications, not just physiological applications. So I can help the people that I was hoping to help with psychology along with all of these other people that have these physiological issues Mm -hmm. and, you know, reach even more people. Wow. Yeah. So from a a psychological standpoint, right? I know we were talking about the acupuncture, the pins, the needles and Mm -hmm. stuff, but when it comes to the psychological piece, how do you focus on that? I mean, I'm sure you're not taking, well, I'm assuming that you're not taking needles and just sticking them in someone's (laughs) head, right? Or that could be the case. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I'm very curious. And I'm sure other people are curious, too. Oh, you get you get needles in your head. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. no. But, there, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of commonly used points. There's one on the top of the head. There's one right here that are, you know, and they have their own indications. But so from, from a psychological standpoint, specifically with, like, depression, stress, anxiety, which are the most common, you know, things that we work on. Exactly. Um, w- the liver in Chinese medicine is considered to govern the smooth flow of energy through all of the channels. Mm-hmm. And, and it's particularly susceptible to stress. So anytime you have a stress-related condition, you're going to want to address the liver. The liver and the kidney are closely associated, so you'll also be working on some kidney points. The liver and gallbladder are also are basically, they call it internally, externally related, which is a Chinese medicine notion. But anatomically, they're both basically in the same position. Um, so you also be working on the gallbladder channel. So what you're looking to do is calm the spirit, if, especially if there's a stress uh, condition. You're really trying to get everything to settle down. And, and you do that by, I do that by using very symmetrical points, you know, the same points on both sides of the body, up and down. And there's points that are specific for psychological um, issues. So the, there's a point on the wrist that really helps to calm the spirit, they say in Chinese medicine, because the spirit is housed in the heart. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a pericardium point, and the pericardium is the is the sac that surrounds the heart. So it, it kind of settles that down. There's a point down here on just past the knee. Mm-hmm. It's actually a gallbladder point, but it, they say it soothes the liver, which also helps, has kind of a sedating effect, just kind of settles everything down. Make sure, it also makes sure everything's flowing the way that it should be, because a lot of times you have that kind of anxiousness because things aren't flowing the way they should be for whatever reason. Um, There's a point right here, right here in the chest, which of course is right over the heart. Well, not anatomically, but you know, in that vicinity, it's very good for calming the spirit and just helping you kind of unbind the chest, because you know, when you get tense, kind of clench up, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it it says that it unbinds the chest, it also helps release uh, emotional issues, you know. Okay. So, so there's specific points that are good for different psychological 
conditions. Now, if somebody has more of a depressive depressive type condition, mm -hmm. um, we're really trying to get things moving. So instead of using the same points on both sides, I'll use you know points that are on the inside of the the left leg and on the outside of the right leg, mm -hmm. and then vice versa on the arms and, and the upper extremities to kind of help facilitate a little more dynamic movement within the body and make sure things are flowing and just or even just getting them flowing if they're not flowing right um and then there's a set of point there's actually a set of four points up on the top of the head that help raise energy and and if you you know get into like a little more esoteric you know aspects of acupuncture it's our connection to the universe um, but really from a physiological standpoint, we're really just trying to draw some of that energy out because, you know, in depression, you kind of, you know, you feel down in the dumps is what they say. You right. Know? So we're trying to raise that energy up. So how many sessions would someone have to go through to start to notice the, the changes? Oh, that's a great question, you know, and it's, it's different for every person. You know, everybody responds differently to treatments. So, um, you know, a lot of it has to do with the etiology of, of the issue that we're working on. So if it's something that's acute in nature, meaning it's something that you've been dealing with for maybe, you know, through a couple of weeks or maybe even up to a month, mm -hmm. um, usually one to three sessions, you should see some significant changes, you know, positive changes. Um, if you're dealing with a chronic condition, uh, usually five to seven sessions is the minimum I'd recommend before you can really see what kind of results you can anticipate. And with chronic conditions, a lot of the times what we're looking to do is get you to a point where your symptoms are under control so we, and then shift more to like a maintenance phase. So where you start in originally coming in, you know, maybe a couple times a week for the first couple of weeks or at least once a week for the first couple of weeks or even a month mm -hmm. till you get to the point where, you know, you feel like your symptoms are under control, they're well managed. At that point, we maybe move it out to you're coming in every couple of weeks or every few weeks or maybe even once a month. I have some folks that manage their chronic conditions by coming in as needed on, on, on flare-ups or maybe once every couple months. So it's, it's, it's really different for everybody. And we try to um, tailor everybody's treatment plan to them specifically and how their body responds to the treatments. Hmm. So I noticed you said if someone has been dealing with, you know, I guess their, their symptoms or whatever it is they're going through for a few weeks to a few months, it may take a couple of sessions. But what about that person that has like a deep traumatic experience that happened in childhood or as a teenager? Would you say that it would take uh, at least, what, a year or two of treatments for issues or situations like that? Yeah, so that's going to fall into a chronic uh, chronic category. Okay. And absolutely. But something like that, I am absolutely recommending that they reach out to a mental health care professional. They are working in conjunction with their their primary care physician mm -hmm. and their their doctors, and they may they may need specialists. So um, that's that's something where that pluralistic coordination of care mm -hmm. really comes into play because that type of situation, acupuncture by itself will it will help, mm -hmm. but they really need to be making sure that they have the proper support and you know and even their support network, their personal support network is going to be is going to be critical. Okay. Yeah. So do you find like other, I guess, other professionals, right, psychologists on the psych psychological side and maybe physical therapists on the physical sure. side, do you ever find them criticizing your practice in the way of treatment? Um, not as much as they used to. When I first got into it, and even when my friend was going to school, it was, it was definitely something that was palpable. Mm -hmm. You could, um, you, you, you would get some eye rolls okay. <laughs> from from Western medicine doctors, uh, but it's gotten a lot better. And and I think the really the key component of that is the research that's been uh, done, you know, through like the National Institute for Health and, you know, through the different programs, through the, you know, even my school, you know, um, is actually being is showing that these these methods are effective, mm -hmm. you know, through clinical research, through, you know, randomized control trials and, you know, and through systematic reviews of the, of the existing research and, and also that insurance companies are starting to pay for it. Mm -hmm. You know, they're starting to see the, the benefits. It's, it's much better. When I first started practicing, I think OSU and there was maybe one other insurance company that would, that would even consider reimbursement for, mm -hmm. for acupuncture. Now it's about 50, 50. Okay. Um, so they're, they've really come around and, and that's making the, the physicians kind of take a second look and like, okay, well, the insurance companies are, are looking at it, and there's this, you know, this research that supports, you know, the effectiveness of this treatment for this specific condition. 
you know, there must be something to it. Okay. Yeah. So what are some of the risks associated with acupuncture? You know, just like anything else, there's always risks. Sure, sure. So um, we don't really see a whole lot of side effects with acupuncture. Um, more often than not, what we'll see is uh, a little bit of lightheadedness or wooziness. Uh, some people uh, will experience nausea, but this tends to be folks that are prone to overstimulation or what they call needle shock. Mm -hmm. So if you know someone that gets woozy when they get blood drawn, that's somebody that will, you know, most likely will be more likely. I won't say most likely will be more likely to have a, a negative uh, or an adverse response to acupuncture. And, and a lot of that can have to do with the amount of stimulation applied to the to the needle insertion itself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you get into more serious adverse events, uh, you're looking at, you know, perforation of, of internal organs. And that's something where we have specific angles of insertion specific depths uh recommendations for each individual point mm -hmm. uh, that we have to learn before we can actually obtain our license because those are all on you know on our board exams and they're 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 very important on some points you know because you have to be very cautious especially and you have to take into consideration the the, the anatomy of the person that you're dealing with mm -hmm. so you can you can have a needle insertion on, you know, a more robust individual mm -hmm. that goes a little deeper than you can on a, you know, 85-year-old woman that, you know, obviously has, you know, some deficiencies or is just, you know, just not as, you know, as vital and doesn't have the, just the sheer muscle volume that, you know, that a younger person would. Right. So, you, you know, it all, you have to, you just have to be cognizant of those types of factors and make sure that you're, you know, within the parameters of, of the recommended insertion depths and angles. So I'm assuming you ask a lot of those questions on like their their medical history and stuff, right? To kind of determine what you should and should not do. Yeah, well, I mean, just observation. You can, you know, just through the course of the consultation, which happens at the first treatment for every for every individual that we see. You know, we have a consultation, and that involves usually they call it the ten questions. Okay. <laughs> but there's usually a lot more than ten by the time you're done. But uh, you know, that kind of goes through, and you talk about you know what they're they. You know, their main concern is what you you know they want to address primarily what other issues they might have because of course acupuncture is a holistic approach to medicine so we're not just looking at the issue we're also looking at things that might be related or other things we might be able to assist them with um, but you know you're also observing them you're seeing what the, what their body type is like you're mm -hmm. checking their pulse you're looking at their tongue you're you know those are different diagnostic uh, indicators for Chinese medicine okay so there's it's a very um, all-encompassing type of comprehensive analysis of the person, right. not just their, you know, not just their description of the problem. Okay. Yeah. So you graduate, so going back, you graduate from school 2012, right? You're yep. now an acupuncturist. So what are some of those milestones and turning points that you experience? Because you're in private practice, right? Mm-hmm. What are some of those challenges or milestones you experienced when you first when you first graduated? Like, did the clients just start rushing in the door, or did it take time to build to that point? <laughs> yeah, no, that did not happen. <laughs> okay. No, I think my I think the biggest milestone for me, my first milestone, was not having to work some random side job, right, <laughs> to Absolutely. keep the lights on. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that took way longer than I expected it to. Right. Uh, that's something they don't really tell you about in school. How long it's going to take? It's, I mean, unless you have Unless you have a support network, like you have a partner that, you know, is able to take care of financial things, um, which, I, you know, at the time I didn't, you know. So um, it was, gosh, I want to say it was probably probably a good three to four years before I didn't have to have a side job. Wow. Okay. And even once I started, um, even when I didn't need a side job, I started off working at a community clinic. Mm -hmm. And I had, I worked there um, not just because it was a great, you know, oops, shoot. Okay. <laughs> not just because it was a great, you know, organization and I, and I really appreciated their, you know, their philosophy when it came to, you know, the availability of acupuncture to the community. Um, but also because they paid hourly, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> you know, and I needed that, guaranteed I needed that guaranteed, paycheck. yeah, I needed that guaranteed money. Um, because, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough, you know, you gotta, when you're out there trying to market yourself and you're still working at the same time and, you know, it's, it's a challenge just like any other, any other, just starting any other businesses, mm -hmm. you know, there's those, those times early on where you're like, I may have made a mistake. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work out. <laughs> so what, so what pushed you to like stick with it? Because you didn't have the clients, you didn't have the financial support or backing and you're like, man, okay, yes, I have this over here, but I'm tired of doing this side job thing. Sure. Why didn't you quit on that path? 
Uh, just, you know, just the support of amazing friends and family, uh, my faith, and that perseverance that I, I, once I've decided on something, that I have something set in my head of what I want to do, mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, I don't really see a whole lot of other options. I almost kind of get tunnel vision, and I just keep plodding along okay. <laughs> until, until I get there. And, and that's, you know, that's, I think that's probably what what pushed me through the herb program because that was that was a huge challenge that was probably my next milestone okay um, was doing the herbs because that's it's not required mm-hmm. you know you can you can be an acupuncturist in the state of ohio and never have to learn a single herb Ooh. but i knew that it was a huge part of chinese medicine mm-hmm. and i felt like that was something that was worth at least investigating so i started looking into it and you know at a certain point, a colleague of mine reached out and she said, hey, I'm really thinking about doing this. Would you want to do it with me? And we could carpool. And I was and I talked about it with my wife at the time. And she said, yeah, might as well do it. You know, if you don't do it now, you may never do it. Exactly. And and that's the kind of support that, you know, that I'm talking about. Like and of course, my family has always been a source of encouragement. My, you know, I've been very blessed with with them to always have my back. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I think that's probably where I get that perseverance okay. is because I always know that they're, they're supporting me. They got my back hundred percent. Nice. Yeah. So how did you start? So you went right into private practice, correct? Like, uh, no, it? I started, I, well, I mean, I, I did, but <laughs> I was seeing like a couple of patients a month. Okay. So I don't even know if you can really call that private practice. <laughs> was it out of your home or did you purchase um, a building or how did you I start did off? start seeing patients out of my home, but that really wasn't the look that I wanted. Gotcha. I wanted to have an office. I wanted to have a brick and mortar mm-hmm. somewhere where people came to see me. Um, I felt like that was really more along the lines of the image that I wanted to convey to people. Mm-hmm. And so I worked out of, I worked with friends a lot of the times out of their offices. I would, I would either rent space or we do a split. And, um, I worked with actually one of the practitioners that I worked with was like the second practitioner in, in the state. Oh, wow. <laughs> His license number was literally two. <laughs> um, okay. So I worked with him for a while, and it was it was great, you know. But I learned a lot of things that I, I did want to do, a lot of things that I didn't want to do, and it the the whole thing is just a learning process. I think you, you know, that's something else that you know any entrepreneur will tell you. Like you can go to school, but you know, probably sixty seventy percent of the stuff that you end up really needing to know that is most critical, you learn through trial and error, you know, just by sheer experience. Mm-hmm. And so um, the private practice was it was great but i think the community clinic was absolutely crucial for me not only monetarily but also so like from a practice standpoint because they booked us out every 15 minutes and there was people there was a room with eight chairs so i have people coming in every 15 minutes so i needed to i needed to get quick i need to get proficient at my at my craft right and i needed to do it immediately exactly yeah so you know i couldn't take because, like, I, would, I remember when I first started practicing, I would take a half hour to get all the points into somebody that I wanted to use. And that's not an option when you have somebody coming in every 15 minutes. So it got me proficient. It, it exposed me to a couple of other, uh, couple of other techniques mm-hmm. um, that, they, uh, that we also don't – I mean, we hear about in school, but they don't necessarily teach you in mm-hmm. school. Um, so that was, that was also crucial for me. Um, to learn, you know, to kind of expand my knowledge base and, and, and add some other skills to my, uh, to my wheelhouse for sure. Okay. So would you say that was like the turning point in your practice where it's like, okay, I'm glad I stuck with this because now it's paying off. Yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd say so. Um, the community clinic was really crucial and, and honestly, I, I transitioned from just doing community acupuncture to also seeing private patients there Mm -hmm. because they had rooms at one of their offices and I could see private patients there and then, gosh, I want to say probably two or maybe two years after I started the community clinic, I started working with my friend and in, in North Star in Westerville, and that's, that's where I'm at now. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's talk about some, other, some of the other key challenges you had to overcome. So I know one was, hey, is this really worth it? You know, I'm still <laughs> working a side job. Then you go from that to, okay, now things are starting to pick up where people are coming in and out of the door every 15 minutes. Yeah. But... I'm not as proficient enough to do this in 15 minutes. I needed 30 minutes to set up. Sure. What were some of the other key challenges that came along with that? Um, feeling like I was, 
I, I don't know how to put this exactly. So when I was in school, I remember one of my instructors saying to me, like, for years, I felt like a fraud. Like, you know, I felt like I was just impersonating an acupuncturist mm. and wasn't, you know, I, I didn't really, you know, not that she didn't know what she was doing. You know, obviously she knew she she was a practitioner mm. licensed. Um, but I think getting to the point where, you know, I felt like, OK, yeah, this is this is who I am. And I actually know what I'm doing and look at all these people that I'm helping. And this is this is real, you know, mm. and I think that was that was something that that was kind of a game changer for me, you know, getting to the point where you realize that, you know, you are doing it and you are helping people. And that was always the name of the game. Mm -hmm. That's why you started it and that, and you're, and you're doing it. And, and from there it just kind of takes off. It's like, it it takes off uh, like this organic life of its own and it kind of branches out on its own and things develop that you didn't even realize you were setting into play. Mm -hmm. And, and until it's already bearing fruit, you're like, Oh wow. Okay. So at what point in your practice did you start to feel that? When did that confidence finally hit you? Not that long ago. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think around the time that I was doing, I I was, I I signed up for herb school. Okay. Um, I think around that time, so it's like 2017 ish. So I've been practicing for years. Right. Five years at that point. Yeah, yeah, and feeling like, I mean, and and it, and it wasn't that. I wasn't having success. I was having great results with a lot of patients and people were coming back and saying, oh yeah, and they're recommending me and sending me their family and friends and everything. Um, But it was just kind of this internal voice. And that's something I think I've always dealt with. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people probably do. Absolutely. Um, Just kind of that self-doubt and, uh, you know, lack of confidence until I got to the point where I'm like, you know, I, 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 I'm the real deal, you know, this is, I'm doing it. And I think it is time to level up. And that's when I was was like, I signed up for the herb program and, and I I got through that, which was a challenge. That was, I thought that would come a lot easier to me than it did Mm -hmm. because of like my cooking background actually was one thing I was like, this is going to, you know, this is going to be just like, you know, like mix, you know, following a recipe. And, and it was not, it is, it's incredibly challenging. The, the number, just the sheer volume of of knowledge that is in uh, the materia medica is what they use and um just the single herbs and then the combination of the herbs and how they interact and the dosages and it's mm-hmm. it's it's crazy <laughs> so are these consumable herbs or uh yeah yeah so they're um most of them are, are plants some of them are minerals some of them are animal parts and they uh, traditionally, they will put them into a pot. They'll cook them down. They'll strain the fluids mm-hmm. into what's called a decoction. Okay. And you will consume the decoction. Really? Yeah. Now, sometimes it's a powder. They also use, like, paste for, like, topicals. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's uh, it's more of, like, a, a just a drink, like a tea. Okay. Um, but, yeah. And, and now, these days, though, because patient compliance with, with the traditional methods is, is, is a little low, you know, it's hard time. We have a hard time getting people to cook the herbs and then continue to take them because a lot of times they don't taste great, mm-hmm. you know. But they they work. Right. <laughs> they they work wonders. Um, so these days, uh, a lot of them are granulated, so it comes in a powder, and you just kind of drop that into a glass of warm water, stir it up, drink as it as draft, drink it as a draft. Or you'll have patent herbs, which come in capsules, which very look very much like nutritional supplements. Okay. And you'll take a few a day. So the powder, is that something that you just rub on your skin? Uh, the powder is usually, you'll pour it into a glass of warm water, and you'll stir it up, and you'll drink it. Oh, okay. Like a, yeah, yeah, like just like a, like a smoothie. It's, the consistency is not, it's usually more like a, a watered-down smoothie, but. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you have so much faith in becoming an acupuncturist, knowing that it wasn't that that popular? Because, you know, I think a lot of times, and I think this is more for, for me and for our listeners, that you have people who look at things that could be an industry changer. If it's now, if it's five years from now or 10 years from now, but they're scared to venture down that path because it's not as popular or as known. How did you stay the path knowing that you were diving into something that may have not had have been as popular or the the interesting topic of of conversation? Sure. Um, I've always been kind of a nonconformist. Okay. (laughs) So, like, general, like, uh, popularity was never anything that I was all that concerned with to begin with. 
Um, and <laughs> when I started, when I told my dad about it, he was he was less enthused <laughs> than I was hoping he would be. Uh-huh. Um, he was actually very concerned about the religious aspect of it because my, my family is very traditional Catholic, you know, from our roots, okay. you know, Mexican Catholics and and he was worried I was going to become a Buddhist and it was going to, you know, I was going to, I was going to like, I don't know what he thought, honestly. I don't know if he thought Buddhism was a cult or what, but, mm. um, but no, I mean, I, I, I think that, um, once I decided that that's what I wanted to do, you know, the popularity of it wasn't really what I was concerned with. What I was concerned with was being as good as I possibly could be at it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what I was convinced would set me apart, you okay. know. So being an acupuncture, mm-hmm. acupuncturist, geez, I don't even say it that often to pronounce it the correct <laughs> way, but good. being an acupuncturist, what sets you apart from the other competitors in the city or within the state? Because mm-hmm. I'm sure you attend other, like, conferences and events sure. and stuff like that, and you have a lot of these same conversations. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think one thing, and actually I even remember one of my instructors back when I was in school, she told me, she's like, oh, you're going to be okay because uh, patients are going to like you. Mm-hmm. It won't even matter how good you are. <laughs> like, I'm not sure that's a compliment. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, my, I, I think my bedside manner actually is what is what works wonders for me mm-hmm. when it comes to patient relations, okay. you know, practitioner-patient relations, um, you know, there's a lot of practitioners that are very concerned with numbers and 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 seeing as many patients as possible mm-hmm. in a day's time so that they can be as profitable as possible and taking nothing away from that yeah i'm i i get it you know i would love to see some of those numbers you know they're seeing like 40 some patients a day wow you know and 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 you know they're i'm sure their accounts show it right right <laughs> but um there's a personal connection that I think would probably be missing from that mm-hmm. that I think is really critical for my practice. Like the connection that I share with my patients um, is something that I find enriching, um, not only from a practitioner standpoint, but personally. Mm-hmm. I enjoy talking to people about what's going on with them and how, you know, how this has improved their lives and where we could, you know, see some more improvement or, you know, what they would like to focus on or if, or if there's something else that they want to address. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then progressing just past just the acupuncture um, degree, I think, is something else that sets me apart. I mean, there's there's other practitioners that have done the herb program, but there's not a lot of us here of the acupuncturists in Ohio who have gone through the doctorate program yet. Mm. And that's another reason that that was important for me because I did want to differentiate myself mm-hmm. and I wanted the the additional skill sets that that was going to provide. Exactly. You know, there's there's interprofessional communication that this is really a big focus of that program. Mm-hmm. Um the focus on the the current research, the clinical research that's being done now. That's a that's applicable to my practice. Um, I find you know immensely fascinating, and it's it's I can use it right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for the benefit of my patients. Okay. Um, so I think those are those are probably the main things that I would say set me apart. Um, but I think my technique is probably I I, I, sh- I try to make it as as painless as possible. Okay. Um, and you know you. I know. I, mean, I know there are some practitioners out there that say, "Oh no, you have to elicit. You have to elicit the sensation. You have to, you know, really generate that." But a lot of these people are coming to me already in pain. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're already already experiencing pain. So if I can give them relief without having to induce any more discomfort, then I, I, that's my preference. Um, and and I know that when I was, that's something that I kind of developed over time in the community clinic, and people would specifically ask me about that, like. What's your needling technique? What, what, how did you learn to do it so painlessly? And I honestly, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. The only thing that I can really attribute that to is the time that I spent as a contractor mm-hmm. driving nails into wood with a hammer. Because a, a shaft, a metal shaft, <laughs> will behave very specifically when you manipulate it depending on how you hit that nail on the head mm. and it'll twist, it'll turn, it'll bend. If you don't, if you're, if, if you don't hit it true, right. You know, right. And a needle behaves very similar when going through tissue mm-hmm. and you can bend it, you can flex it. But if you're not, if you're not doing it quite right, it'll, 
It'll do something you don't want it to do, right. and, and you can see it in a patient's reaction. You know what? That makes sense because I can think about when I have to go to the lab to get blood work, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if I take my dad. Mm -hmm. If you're not good with that needle, like my dad, he wants, he doesn't like needles. It's like, hey, sure. if you don't do it right the first time, and you have to use the butterfly needle, right? If you don't do it right the first time, I don't want you to sure. do it. But some phlebotomists, they have the technique where yeah. they put it in, and you're just like, oh, you're actually done already? Like butter, so it sounds very right? similar. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what I strive for. I want it to be smooth. I want it to be as painless as possible. And, and, you know, granted, some points are just more sensitive than others, and, and I don't always succeed. Sometimes there is some discomfort. But I tell those patients, you know, really when I get that really strong sensation, that's all the stimulation that we need. So we can take that needle out, and it, you'll still get the effect. And I, I believe that to be true. Nice. So when it comes to reviews, right, I guess I really want to understand how do you get feedback in your practice to start to – educate other people on your practice because for the for the people who are skeptical sure. and don't really believe in it or don't want it what are you doing to really push the agenda to educate people and say hey we want you to see proof we actually want you to see reviews or surveys or whatever to show that this actually works that's a challenge you know honestly things like this are great uh, that's why i was so excited about this you know i was like Thank man you. this is a great opportunity you know i get some free marketing you get some content <laughs> right you exactly. know i think we even had that conversation <laughs> right right um but you know uh, i do speaking engagements i did a speaking engagement at a at a job fair for a mutual friend of ours not too long ago at a school and uh you know just things like that and as far as like specific um outcomes i mean if you could get testimonials those are great um, but you know, those in medicine, we consider those anecdotal mm -hmm. and, you know, from a practitioner standpoint, yeah, they, they sound great, but you know, I want to see numbers and, and that's a little tough unless you're, unless you're participating in, in clinical trials, it's, it's tough to generate that kind of, that kind of stuff, but that's what clinical trials are for. You can provide them with that. Mm -hmm. If patients have specific inquiries regarding, you know, treatments for, you know, X condition, you know, you can say, okay, well, here's the research that, you know, that that's been done on that specific condition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can, we can definitely go down that road. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's always a challenge, you know, getting the word out there. And, and fortunately, I think a, a lot of people are much more knowledgeable about it these days. They come in, especially the people that are kind of, you know, inquisitive to begin with, they've already Googled it, you know, they, exactly. you know, they, they, they at least have an idea. And it's surprising how many people have already had acupuncture when they come into my office. They're okay. like, yeah, I used to go to so-and-so or I had it years ago. And so I don't even really have to go through the whole song and dance with them. They already know. Okay. So it's, it's a lot better than it used to be. Nice. Yeah. So give us a success story, like that one story that stands out in your mind, that man, this is very helpful, very beneficial, or wh whatever you know, path or route you want to take with that success story. Man, yeah, there's there's been quite a few over the years. Um, I think I, I had a, one of my veterans that came to see me through the community clinic. He was a big guy. And and, and my the veteran patients that I see, because I, I actually work with the VA now again. Mm -hmm. I worked with them back when I was with the community clinic. And when I left the community clinic, my... Um, uh, my credentialing with them lapsed, so I had to go back through the whole process. Uh, but back when I was uh, working with the community clinic, and I had one of my veterans come in, just chronic knee problems. Ever since he was in the service, had and and the the folks that come through the VA, the severity of their injuries and conditions, the the you know, is just more significant than than the general population. Mm -hmm. They're they are just. <laughs> They're beat up <laughs> by the time they get to me. Right. Um, and a lot of them go into law enforcement, and they, and they continue to be beat up. Mm. Um, so one guy was, uh, he came in with, and his knees were just, they just made him miserable. He had been, he had tried everything else, the cortisone injections, the, you know, they were talking about surgery and replacement. Mm -hmm. um, and I think within three sessions, he was already saying, like, this is, this is, probably 85% better wow. than, than it has than it with any other treatments. Mm -hmm. And we continued to, to work on it. And he, he, now he would have, you know, 
he would have setbacks where it would it would you know kind of flare up on him, but every time it would it would get worse, he would come back in. Mm-hmm. We do acupuncture. We actually did cupping on his knees too, which was a little out of the ordinary for me. It's not something I do very often because it's just hard to get the cups to adhere to the knees. Uh, but he was big enough, and he had enough surface area around his knees that we were able to do that, and it was the only thing that worked for him. Another one of my vets. Um, this is a story that I tell all the time for people that don't know about cupping. Mm -hmm. Um, another one of my vets, he was active law enforcement at the time and he had, (laughs) you read, his medical record was just remarkable in the number and severity of injuries that he had sustained over the course of his service and of the, you know, and in the line of duty, you know, as an officer. Mm -hmm. And he could only raise his arms up to about maybe maybe the 30 or 40 degree mark wow. you know as far as range of motion goes yeah. like now that's adducting away from his side mm-hmm. um we did i want to say by the second round of cupping he was up to 90 degrees by the third or fourth round of cupping he was he had his hands up over his head and it's it's remarkable when when cupping is the right modality it is it is exceptional in its effectiveness and it and it works very quickly you know, usually when the person is done with their treatment, like, they feel better immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so cupping. What's, what's cupping? Let's talk about that a little bit more. Um, cupping, it, uh, you know, Chinese medicine's been around for thousands of years. Right. And, you know, and cupping actually, I think, originally came from the Middle East. Okay. And the Chinese, uh, you know, found it to be effective and, and incorporated into Chinese medicine. And I think it, it came over, I mean, obviously, Chinese medicine came over around the 70s, uh, the Nixon era, but it didn't really start to gain popularity till popularity till, you know, fairly recently. Maybe the '90s, I think, is when it started to be a little more mainstream. Cupping specifically, though, I think, really took off when people saw Michael Phelps with his cupping marks when he was in the Olympics, and people started researching it. Um, essentially, what cupping is is a therapeutic. Because in Chinese medicine, like I mentioned before, anytime you have a fixed pain condition, there's said to be a stagnation of energy and blood. Mm -hmm. So the treatment principle um, is to always move energy and blood and relieve the pain. Mm -hmm. And acupuncture can do this, Uh, you know, but it takes some time. Cupping physically draws the blood out of the tissue that are deep to the cups. And when it does that, it allows fresh blood, fluids, and nutrients into that tissue. Now, that's going to facilitate any healing processes that need to take place. But it also improves the elasticity of the tissue itself. And at either end of that muscle tissue is connective tissue that's attached to the skeletal structure. And when you improve that elasticity, it takes the tension off of that connective tissue, which takes the tension, you know, which takes some of the pressure off of the skeleton itself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what goes a long way in, you know, relieving pain conditions. Okay. But I think also if there is trauma of any kind, it's also helping that recovery process through the, you know, the fresh blood, fluids, and nutrients that, that make their way into the tissue. Uh, and the cupping marks that are left on the body, a lot of people think, so those, are, think those are bruises. It's yeah. actually petechia. So that's just the blood coming out of the tissue deep to the cups, up to the superficial layers of the skin. And actually, you know, it does rupture the, the superficial capillaries, but it's, it's painless. It doesn't, it's not, there might be a little residual soreness, but it's not like a bruise where you repress it and it hurts right you know so some people use cupping for detoxification i don't use it for that as much Mm -hmm. um i think there's more controlled methods for detoxifying the body if you're wanting to do that like homeopathy and stuff like that but um but yeah it's when it's the right modality cupping is remarkably effective and it works very quickly Okay, so cupping. So is it just like, I don't know, like a suction cup or something like that? There's a couple different methods. Traditionally, they use, like, they'll, they'll take a glass cup mm-hmm. and they'll light a cotton swab that's been soaked in alcohol, light it on fire, and they'll put it in the cup and mm-hmm. then rapidly place the cup on the body. Mm-hmm. As the air inside the cup cools, it, that's what creates the vacuum. Okay. There's machines that you can use that create that vacuum. There's handheld pumps that you can use that also could be used to create the vacuum mm-hmm. um whatever the technique is there's always a vacuum that's created in the cup and that's what draws that blood uh, up to the surface of the skin does it burn when you light the cotton ball <laughs> i mean the cotton ball's on fire <laughs> that's why they call it fire cupping right, right. but i mean uh, i mean you you it's very quick the process okay. so like you you have the cup in this hand you put the ball in the in the cup and 
it's about that quick. Okay. You know, so sometimes you'll go around the surface of the cup just to warm the cup up, mm -hmm. put the ball in or put the cotton ball in and then it's right on the surface of the body. And that's actually how you moderate the intensity of the suction. It's like you put the cup, you put the cotton ball in longer and you put it on the body. That air in there is, is the, the, the temperature's higher. So when you put it on the body and it cools, it's going to create more suction. If you do it real quick, right. it's less suction. Okay. Yeah. And how long do you have to keep it on your skin? Uh, there's a couple of ways to approach that. Um, most commonly what I'll do is I'll put the cups on the body and I'll leave one round for about 10 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. And then I'll come back and I'll, I'll take them off and I'll do another round like in between the spots that we worked on. Okay. And I'll leave those on usually not quite as long, maybe, maybe seven to 10 minutes tops. Um, there's another technique where you place the cup on the body. Well, actually you, you put like a lubricant on the body, like an oil of some kind. You place the cup on the body with a little bit lighter suction and then you slide it back and forth. It's mm -hmm. called sliding cupping. Mm -hmm. Um, there's actually another technique where you elicit um, uh, bleeding, and then you place the cup on the body, and it draws blood out of the of the body itself. Mm -hmm. It's called wet cupping. Mm -hmm. I don't really do that. You have to have a specific setup for that, and just from a liability standpoint, it's it's you have to be careful. Why is that? Uh, Bloodborne pathogens. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. So which one would you say is more effective? You know, the needles or the cupping? It depends on the on the condition that you're working on. Okay. Um, you know, musculoskeletal pain, if it's more excess in nature, which means basically like if you push on something and it makes the problem worse, that's considered to be an excess condition. Okay. Cupping is probably going to be more effective. Mm -hmm. If you have something where it's a little more deficient, um, acupuncture is probably the way to go. Gotcha. Yeah. So as far as industry standards and trends, right? So you said with Chinese medicine, it's something that's been around for over 3,000 years, right? Did I get that, capture that correctly? Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. I just want to make sure. Roughly, I mean, give or take. Right. Yeah. So how do you stay current on the trends in terms of, like, continuing education? Is it reading, events, conferences? All of the above. All right. And <laughs> um, you're also in school. I forgot about that. Right, right. Program. Well, the doctoral program has definitely been uh, giving me a leg up on that. But, I mean, as far as the medical board requires us to get 60 CEUs every four years. Okay. So, I mean, we, by default, have to <laughs> continue our education if we want to maintain our licensure. Okay. So, absolutely, okay. yeah. And that usually involves classes of some kind or online um, coursework or seminars or, you know, I think we had the symposium not too long ago um, through my call, through my university that was out in San Diego, and there would be CEUs offered through that. So there's a few different ways to do it, but yeah, I mean, continuing education is is always a priority. Okay, so this is something that I ask all my guests, right? Yep. So speaking to the young Rick out there who wants to take a similar path, you know, becoming an acupuncturist or just starting their own practice or starting their own business or becoming an entrepreneur, what advice would you give? Uh, you know, have a plan. <laughs> I Absolutely. think if I would have had a more solid plan getting started, I probably would have achieved my, uh, um, my independence as far as my private practice goes a little sooner. Okay. Um, you know, and, and having some, uh, having some structure in place that, that support network is critical. So, um, and it's hard to really fabricate that, so I'm not sure how you would go about that. But, right. <laughs> you know, just getting some instruction on the best uh, steps to take. Um, specifically getting into acupuncture, um, know that you're probably going to have to ha work a side job <laughs> to okay. start off with. You're probably going to have to have, unless you have, you know, a, a fund of some kind to support you as you build your practice or you have, you know, a significant other that's able to, to help you financially. Mm -hmm. uh, just know that it's going to be a struggle just like any other business. And um, don't, get, don't get discouraged. Don't let it to deter you if you know that's what you want to do. Okay. Yeah. So as far as balancing work life and personal life, at the beginning, when you first graduated mm -hmm. in practice, let's just say 2015, because that's when you got married, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So still had a few challenges as far as getting clients, customers, sure. or patients, I should say. Mm-hmm. What did you have to do to, to balance both while you're still working on your practice and still giving your son time, and your kids and your grandkids and your wife time? Sure. Uh, you know, it's, that's always a challenge. Um, fortunately, back then, I wasn't super busy. <laughs> okay. so, so I had more time to give to them. Right. Um, but, you know, just, uh, just be aware, you know, and, and look for 
signs that, you know, <laughs> things aren't going well. And, you know, that way it can kind of help you adjust course, you know, whether it be at practice or at home. You know, just be, be present when when need when you're able to and mm. and and be be cognizant of of how the things that you do in one can affect the other you know whether that be at work or at home um and know that there's always <laughs> you have a finite amount of time and energy to to donate to either and uh and and finding that that happy medium is 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 always a challenge but you know it's definitely doable and you know open keeping an open uh dialogue with with everybody is immensely helpful. Okay. Yep. So what's a tip that you would give to someone that's trying to keep that open dialogue? Because, you know, some people, they can get frustrated with that. You know, sure. They may think that you're, oh, you know, you don't believe in me. You're questioning what I'm doing. So what's the best way to keep that open dialogue and communication? You know, maybe just having a, you know, a, a check-in time where you, you regularly check in with the person, whether that's a certain time of day, whether that's like as you guys are getting ready to go to turn in for the night or when you, you both get home from your respective occupations, you know, and, and kind of touch and base with, with that person mm -hmm. just to make sure that they're okay and see if there's something that they need. And, and you can also use that time to convey your <laughs> needs if there's something that, 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 you feel like you're you're not getting um that's i mean that would probably be my suggestion okay so what do you do to kind of just unwind relax have fun um i really like riding my motorcycle okay <laughs> okay <laughs> i got a bike a couple years back and yeah that's that's my go-to um but uh you know aside from it because i can only do that so much mm -hmm. <laughs> you know especially when it's cold out so exactly. aside from that I, you know i like to watch the buckeyes play you know football when they not necessarily last night but you know <laughs> right <laughs> but i enjoy watching them play and uh okay um just spending time with my granddaughters that's honestly that's that just rejuvenates me in ways that i can't explain <laughs> okay <laughs> so but yes spending time with friends and family um that's probably my go-to cool yeah. so if someone wanted to contact you you know to take advantage of your services or just get a little more education yeah. how can they find you on social media maybe even your website yeah absolutely so um north star acupuncture is is the name of the practice we're in uptown westerville uh 253 north state street suite 100 um the number let me get that here because i can never remember it right <laughs> that's okay yeah, um, number is 614-776-4650, and the uh, website is northstaracupuncture.net. Uh, you can book online, so uh, feel free to check out the website. My information's on there, and uh, my business partner's on there, and yeah, it kind of tells a little bit more about what we do and all of that thing. I'm on Instagram at healing balance for you <laughs> okay um and then rick aguirre uh on on facebook as well lac cool. yep all right any other value you want to add uh you know what this has been great i, I just want to express my gratitude to you for reaching out to me and and giving me some additional exposure that's always phenomenal the absolutely best kind of marketing is free marketing yes sir. can't beat that <laughs> And it was great to catch up with you, and uh, I, I wish you all the best. And I think this is just a phenomenal opportunity for anybody that, you know, that you give a chance to, you know, empower them, empower those people out there that, you know, might be considering getting into some kind of uh, entrepreneurship of their own. And, and uh, I wish you all the best, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank so you. So I'll tell you what, man, it's been a lot of education, a lot of knowledge, a lot of stuff that I've been wanting, wanting to ask for a long time. Like I can remember when you were in school and you told me what you were going to school for. And I'm like, oh, okay. Knew yep. Nothing about it. <laughs> Always wanted to ask and finally get an opportunity to ask 10 yeah, years, 10, 13 years later. Right. right? Yeah, but well. I'm glad you educated us, got a chance to really break it down and break it down on a level to where we understand it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, this has been pretty cool, man. Absolutely so, hey. Awesome. This was a great, a great interview, great close by Rick. Make sure we'll put all of the information down in the description. And we want to thank you for joining the Let's Evolve for Tomorrow podcast, where we help aspiring new and existing entrepreneurs excel to the next level by inviting other aspiring new and existing entrepreneurs to the podcast to provide valuable information on how to get to the next level. And we'll see you next time.